Success is keeping our country safe. Now you want to secure your future. For more than 75 years, University of Maryland Global Campus has helped military service members like you reach your next goal. With 90-plus undergraduate and graduate programs, specializations, and certificates, more than 175 classroom and service locations worldwide, and online and hybrid courses, UMGC is here for you wherever your military service leads you. Personalized advising from knowledgeable military and veteran advisors will help you find the right path, while our military and veteran-specific scholarships make achieving your dreams possible. We'll help you succeed again. Now, active duty military, reserves, and their spouses can qualify for the Military New Graduate Student Savings Program. Eligible students save 30% per credit on most master's degrees and graduate certificates. Learn more at umgc.edu. Certified to operate by CHEV. Hello and welcome to How to Stay Married. Da, 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 so far. I prefer directing into the last one, so I'm now going to cut that in. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to How to Stay Married. So far. So far. And this week it really was nearly so far. It really... Why have you done that? Now I've got to, in the edit, I've got to do the change the bloody thing. Because mine looks so much higher than yours. Okay. Yeah. Now we're back. <laughs> she does fake kind of da 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 da. That's a bit annoying. She's doing fake eyebrow raises. <laughs> um, <clears throat> if you're wondering why <clears throat> the hell he's telling you this, is because this is also played out on YouTube, not just on, um, on iPod platforms. Right, well, because what if a person is just listening right to this for the first time, they'll think, why is he saying what she looks like? Well, you can talk about visual things even yeah, on an audio, <laughs> audio podcast. I mean, that's, that's a thing, isn't it? Um, um, anyway, welcome. I don't think we should waffle too much. Recently, I've been listening to it for your podcast, and you can literally hear people doing this waffle warm-up, and actually it's boring. So, yeah, but there's one person I could listen to waffle warm-up for probably six don't years. Don't say Jason Bateman, because I don't Bateman. even like his waffle warm-up. Do you I'm not? sorry. Not I do love you. that podcast, but it's like, get on with it. Oh, well, let's get on with it then. Okay, so I saw an article <laughs> the other day... Uh, and we'd had what was an, we haven't rowed in, in, in a while, and then we had an absolute humdinger of a corker, an absolute cracker, a firecracker, a total sort of head blowing scorcher of a row. Um, when two Scorpios tails come up at the same when time. When two Scorpios go to war. It's not good. And then, interestingly, I don't know whether that, that sort of internal kind of spiritual. Uh, radar that seems to be in all our iPhones suddenly kicked in. I was I had this article thrust in front of me on my phone for no apparent reason. Have you got marital hatred? I mean, what's the likelihood of that after you screaming such Hang horrible, on a horrible Hang on a filth at me that possibly the public would have just been outraged to hear coming from your mouth? Uh, you did quite a bit of screaming yourself. And what I haven't told you yet was when I went upstairs, our bedroom window was open. Well, no. I, I, <laughs> Which I, means the whole neighbourhood would have heard us. I popped out to the shops and there was a guy at the bus stop looking a little bit like that. Yeah. No, there wasn't. But uh, it, it was a humding, It was an absolute humdinger of a rout. And then this came through. Have you got marital hatred? And at that point, I said, yes. First of all, there is, is a general, that I think generally, yeah. there is a school of thought that you should never have an argument like that. Yes. And when I talk to some of my friends about the way that we argue, they are absolutely horrified. And of course, it's horrible to lose control. Um, it well, leaves you feeling, it, like it leaves you feeling, um, <laughs> as you did equally. Uh. So don't start it again. <laughs> 
you to control yourself. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're on. You've just lent out of your shop. Good. Is that how that makes it difficult for you when you upload it? <laughs> you know, uh, at the moment we're watching Love Island, don't you think sometimes Davide and Ekin Sue are like the two of us? Oh, it's I very love funny. Them. I love them. She nearly went completely mad yesterday and then she controlled herself. I've got a huge but man crush on Davide and it's not because of his looks, it's his personality. And he's so funny. But I digress. Um, yeah, so first of all, there is, I think, a general school of thought that to lose your shit like yes. that is always dreadful. Now, if the kids well, had been here, if the kids had been here, I we, think we would have controlled ourselves. We wouldn't have lost our we shit. We wouldn't like have that. lost our shit like that because I think for other people, so for our neighbours, I apologise. Um, I think then it's awful, but I don't agree that it's always terrible to have a row like that. Yeah. I would prefer not to. I wish we could talk it through, but. As you say, it's so rare compared to how often we yeah, used yeah, to yeah, argue yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it is rare. And I think every so often, um, it's like um, a spring clean. A spring clean, like an enema. But you have to have two people who are of a similar kind, because I think, I'm thinking of one particular friend of ours. I bet you know who you are. And I remember her saying to me that there's nothing worse to her than somebody shouting at her. And she's always been like that. And actually, our youngest is like that. I would never, ever shout at Kikibi. Mm. She, she just can't take mm. it. She's, and so if you're in a relationship where one person can shout and the other person can't, I think that's true. Well, I can think of one person. But we always give as good as we get to each other. You know, some, some people can't deal with that. And I can think of one person, you know, a very important person who I've shouted at once. And it's, it's still rumbling on many, 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 many millions of years later. So yeah. it's kind of, you do have to, I guess, acknowledge that but sometimes I would... Some people, it feels like violent shouting. Yeah, but also I would say that sometimes, you know, we... We I'm can't not... always be perfect human beings. No, we can't always be perfect mm. human beings. But also, sometimes I think we as humans, if we overly straightjacket ourselves into not being able to express some emotions, negative emotions or excessive emotions or whatever, then that behaviour can get subverted into other much more damaging consequences. So it's like that age-old thing of, well, you, you might not row, but you could have, you can live in a really poisonous environment atmosphere, yeah. and atmosphere. And anger is a valid emotion. It's just yeah. that when you lose your shit, when you lose your temper, you lose something from yourself, and I yeah. think so. And we ended up eventually discussing it. And actually, as I said to you, I, I, I apologised to you for the way that I've spoken to you. I didn't like it. I didn't like how I was. I turned nasty. I didn't like it for myself or for you. But where that had come from was that there was something that had been irritating me for a long time. Yeah. And so what happens is it's a drip, drip, drip into a bottle. The other person doesn't even know that that drip, drip, drip is going in. I was trying to suppress it so that I didn't have a discussion and I didn't have an argument. Yeah. And and so I for me, suppression is the worst thing. Yeah. And actually in the end I said to you, can we please never have again where I say to you, can I just talk to you about something? And you go, Oh no because actually that's what had stopped me from talking about it earlier. That dog. Had stopped me from talking about it earlier before I went completely mad. Because you and I do think this is quite a male thing. We've talked about this before on Loose Women, actually. Men get very, very uncomfortable when a woman, in my experience, says, can we just sit down and talk yeah, about but something? The you reason, hate it but the so much. Even for me it. just saying it then, yes, you go... Oh. Because the reason for it, the reason we don't like it is, it's, it, 
There's always such theatrical generalization, by the way. There always feels like there's such theatricality around it. So it well, always well, feels well, like... it wasn't as bloody theatrical as the bloody row no, no, that no, came no, six no, weeks, no, but I wasn't eight weeks later. I was solely responsible for the row. But what I'm saying is, is that yeah, that thing of can we? I mean, it's immediately like it's like oh, flipping it. What it is like because that. I maybe think there's it's a different very way of dis- saying how to have a chat. Yeah, but I think oh, by it- the way. Oh, by the way, I mean, maybe there's a more incidental way. Well, what I would like from you is to be mature enough to, oh, yeah. to, to know that when I say, can we talk about something? It's because I want some, f- hang on a minute, I want to talk about that thing in a focused way because I want to get my message across clearly and concisely. I don't want it to be in the mulch of everything else. Oh, yeah, and by the way, it's because it's actually something that I'm feeling strongly. Yes. I, I, would, like, I would like it if you would say to me, listen... Um, you know, buh, buh, buh. <laughs> whatever it is, uh, yeah. whatever your thing yeah. is. Oh, hang on, I've got something I'm... to say. Buh, buh, buh. Uh, and and say, so, listen, this thing is actually really annoying me or upsetting me. Can I say though, uh, uh, again, these sometimes we talk in mass generalizations, but there are also kind of obviously truths yeah, in mass I think I, th- I do think I do think it's kind of allowed if you want to say. Can we almost stop the narrative of life because we need to stop and sit and, stop and talk? No, I, 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 I want to. I want to say something now. If I was to say, "Right, guys, I, I want to stop something now," I would be looked at with an arch hang eyebrow and I'd shut the fuck up and sling your hook. Promise me one thing: <laughs> that when we finish this podcast, you rewind to eight minutes and twenty seconds, <laughs> and you say, "Stop the narrative of life." <laughs> Being a wordsmith can sometimes make you look like a right knobhead. (laughs) I love that phrase, knobhead. Because what you're saying, stop the narrative of life, is actually what I want to do. I want to stop the train. No, but listen, but I want to stop the train. I want to just get my point across clearly and concisely Mm. so that we understand. Because I think so, I've always said to you, like even in the midst of our route, even in the midst of our route, I said, Nothing that you are doing is with intention. You are a good, kind, respectful person. But this thing has slipped and it's just annoying me and I can feel it irritating me more and more and more is what I would have said if I'd said, Mark, can I just talk to you? But what happened was I didn't say that because you don't like the narrative of life to be paused, to be spoken to. So what happened was we had a batshit crazy Sue moment with us all screaming at each other. I was having it in this equation. Work went out the window. Everything went out the window. We didn't feel well. Mm. We probably ate chocolate, but we shouldn't later. When actually that stopped the narrative of life much more because it was like a fucking bomb coming into our life rather than a moment. I agree. But you're saying that that's because you hadn't decided to find an alternative way to break the information to me. You decided to do it. I don't want to find an alternative. I don't think there's any problem at all with saying, can we just talk about something? No, no, no. What well, would you well, like no all I was trying to say was, was that when there are occasions where I'm thinking, you know what, this is really niggling me. I don't stop the narrative because I just let it go. I just think, oh, well, I you know. I let it go for ages and ages, but it was right, getting but I don't worse. End up, I know, that my behavior. point is, is that I don't end up exploding like a lunatic. Okay. So anyway, so this article came to you and you felt somehow... I didn't feel like I... Well, I felt like I was on vindicated. the receiving... What well, is interesting, isn't it? Because when I saw the phrase marital hatred, do you struggle with marital hatred? It's, very, it's actually a really good article. Well, it's basically, it, it pivots around, uh, it's an interview with a therapist called Terry Real. 
Looks like quite a character, doesn't it? Looks like such a character. 72 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, quite a character. Um, And he's written a book uh, called Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. And in it, he talks about there being this thing which is quite normal to feel and have normal marital hatred, i.e., I think the thing that you're saying, which is, you know, I think people would assume that to have a row, blistering row like the one we had the other day, is a bad thing. Um, and to feel negative things about your partners is, is something that you sh- you're always... You should fear. You should fear. And also, I do genuinely... When I've observed other relationships, and I sometimes marvel, and sometimes I look at them and go, Jesus, why can't we be a bit more like that? You know, I'm sometimes why both... Why can't we be a bit more like what? I'm going to explain. Oh. There's, there's, it's sometimes something that horrifies me, and I feel almost a little bit envious of. There's a, there's a huge formality and politeness in a lot of relationships where you see people almost like... Do you literally put, excuse the uh, What language, are you going to say? Do you yeah. actually put parts of your body near each other at night? Because the way you're talking to each other yeah, like about a cup of coffee or a tea or what you're doing today or how you're doing, I look at it and go, this is like, this is like a, U- a United Nations, uh, you know, conference. It's so bizarre. And I but think, do you think that's often no, with people that are avoiding thought. any sort of big emotion? Yes, and I think that mm. that is what I call the straight-jacketed consequence of pushing down real emotions and really what you're feeling. That's not okay. You know, accept it. We overshare. We go on too much. Lots of people fucking despise us because of what we are, because we we live in squalor and all these kind of things. And, um, I, don't, I don't sort my cupboards off. Yeah, we don't care. We like squalor. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that's what we are. You can't change what you are, and that's what we, that's what we do. And, as, you know, and a lot of people are different, and that's fine. But I do look at it sometimes, and I think sometimes I think, oh, I wonder if life like that would be easier to not be, you know, easily hijacked or to feel things so keenly or to be so sort of raw and easily react to stuff and respond to stuff and be bothered by stuff and well maybe it could be more formal and all that and then and then I sort of think but how many people are denying that sort of bubbling confusing contradictory emotional kind of core to just be you know what society says you should be which is non-arguing and I mustn't hate this person because I'm in love with them. And so as soon as you feel the first sign of hate, you think it must all be wrong. Mm. It's like, oh, this isn't right for me. And that's what I liked about this guy mm. and this article. Because what he's talking about is the idea that it's very normal to feel extremely negative feelings about each other. Mm. To articulate extremely mm. negative feelings about each other. But obviously he talks about, and I think his book is all about, you know, how you can get to a place of balance and how you can work through those negative feelings and, and make the relationship still work. So it's, it's an intriguing guy. And the book is called, oh, I said, Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship, which I've ordered. <laughs> he, he talks about um, how we carry the trauma from our yes. childhood into our marriages. And yes. we've spoken about this before, haven't we, that our couples therapists have said over the years that that's why it's such difficult therapy, because we're trying to fix what was so wrong in our parents. Yeah. And he'd come from a... Violent, really, chaotic. Yeah, really his traumatic. father was an alcoholic. If I'm yeah. correct, me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you're right. And then his wife had an even more mm. chaotic and dramatic um, childhood, and so that for many years at the beginning they were acting out those behaviours. Yeah. 
weren't there? And I think it's just a really important thing to remember that we bring our childhoods and we bring our parents' relationships to our relationships. Absolutely. Well, we I mean, absolutely I, I, I lifted his quotes here. He, he starts off on this. So it's this inner child, the idea of the inner child in all of us. And, you know, I mean, a lot of therapy... Very interesting what he says about the inner child. Well, he, he challenges well, he does what, challenge we all just, what we all just spout out now. Being hunting your inner child. Yeah, hug your inner child, love your inner child, cherish your inner child, child, all that kind of stuff. But can I just start... The he reason. The reason I like this guy is his opening comment about inner child is brilliant. He said, I believe in inner child work, but I do remember years ago reading that Barbara Streisand threw a party for her inner child. And I thought, you know what? We're done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw parties for your inner child. But you're right. He talks about the adaptive child, which is the child that learned how to cope and how we coped as a child. And he talks about how, you know, because you, you're in a trauma state when you're doing those adaptive things when you're a child, they kind of, they, they hardwire into your personality and your emotional coping mechanisms and they become baked into your, the patterns of behaviour that you pursue in friendships, relationships. And I can see that in myself and in you. States of arrested so development, a state yeah. of arrested development. And so yeah. it's interesting because as, uh, you know, someone who, you know, I do, through a lot of therapy, try to stay in touch with, well, in a weird way, I'm, I'm overly in touch with that adaptive inner child because it's what makes me enthusiastic about so many things mm. uh, and childlike in my kind of rapacious I think kind of consumption of all this kind of stuff and trying to get get the crowd joining you but it is also the maladaptive child that he talks about which is where you keep this going you know your trauma you're upset and you allow it to feed and this is something I was talking to my mum about the other day actually about another issue that's going on at the moment. And I said, it is interesting. There is a jump off point where I think a lot of therapy can, can encourage you to constantly think about, well, I'm like this because of this, 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 and this with my mum or my dad, da, 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 da. And some people, I think some therapy, and that's why I think this guy's quite refreshing. I think some therapy allows you to just bask in that and lie in that and indulge in like inner childness and kind of like, whereas actually the challenge in life is to push beyond it. So I look That's at my... why I like gestalt therapy, because it recognises yeah. that, and then it moves you through it. Yeah. I mean, there was somebody closer to me in my life who was into so much of that therapy, yeah. it became absolutely exhausting, because mm. it was constant wallowing in, in well, the misery. you mean not gestalt? You mean the other one? Not gestalt, yeah. just in another kind of therapy for years, where it was just constantly, oh my God, somebody took this when I was six, somebody yeah, took yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just becomes very exhausting for yes. that person. You sit as well because you think, God, you're never coming out of that yes. miserable yeah. sort of box, really. Yeah. And I think, and in a weird way, you know, we've talked a lot about how, you know, relationships, as you've often said, is about working out what you, what you, what you saw, what you encountered, what you didn't sort out when you were a child, how you saw your parents. And so sometimes, you know, last week I, I said to my mum, I said, God, we should really pat, pat ourselves on the back, actually, because I feel we've got past that point. You know, I don't sit there pointing fingers and da 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 da. We talk about it. We've talked about what. With your what's gone on exactly and I think that that is an example of being able to get past a maladaptive uh, well I think you've recognized sort of more and I think I've helped with that bit because I'm outside yeah. of your mum and yours and your mum's relationship to recognize the adaptive child yeah. in her yeah. and that's that's the point isn't yeah. it my mum's Adapted adapt, adaptions for her childhood. I know I can see them. I'll see them more clearly than yeah, she yeah, does because yeah. I'm not in them. So yeah, it's a good way of moving it on yes. and, say, and actually saying yes, that in, that child, that child went through this, 
but look at the way this child is looked and look at your strength and look at your possibilities and abilities. I mean, I wonder if actually there's a sort of next stage therapeutic book or, or realm that in a weird way, you know, what I've managed, because you sometimes talked about how, uh, not jealous because that's too strong a word, but how you like the way in which, uh, though me and my mum have had a troubled kind of, you know, relationship, and it can, it can spark up still now. We, we, she, we can talk about stuff. You're very honest with each other. We're very honest with each other. You will that, tell each other if you piss each other yeah, off or if you... absolutely. But also we will we'll both... We'll have a good row. We'll, or we'll have a good row, but we'll also both go away, and I have to give her credit where credit's due. She'll go away and she'll think about something, yeah. which is hard when you're that much older. But you do that too. And I do that too. It's a similarity but between I wonder you. whether sometimes, you know, where this guy is talking about how... So what we're talking about is the idea that you bring all of this baggage into relationships that when, when you're arguing with your your wife who you kind of hate at that point and really what you're hating is your childhood and your parents and everything that came in and all that and he sort of says here you know I try, I've tried to tell clients you're not dealing with your histrionic mother you're dealing with your wife or your husband you're not dealing with your abusive but, but what happens is it touches the same place of pain yes so it's that and so Stop. I've seen that so clearly through our yeah, marriage yeah. when when I when because obviously you had real Fears of abandonment because you had such a chaotic child, and so sometimes you, I can literally see the, the small child. Yes, yes, and that's not in any way demeaning you, but I mean, I can no. see the pain of the child yeah, when the, you feel like that's happening. There's a familiarity to the fear. Yeah. There's a familiarity to yeah. the fear, and then there's a hormonal hit. But I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is maybe lots of relationships could be helped by, yes, things like couples counselling and all that kind of stuff, but I wonder whether there's a new type of therapy that requires partners in a relationship to do healing with their parents because by doing healing with their parents they can no not, not always but i think May our generation of no i'm not saying I'm, well. I'm not suggesting it's easy but yeah. i think it's something that perhaps but i just think could resolve i just lot. think that my parents generation wouldn't get it the majority of them i mean if i think most of my friends instantly they would say this their parents go I'm not, I'm not navel-gazing, I'm not doing all of that. Sure. Now, but I think if our kids, we're almost waiting for it, aren't yeah, we? We'll yeah, be yeah. like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Yeah. But, we, but, but it, is, it is a generational thing. I mean, yeah. our parents, our grandparents were brought up to just stiff up a lip and push on. You know? And that's but, how I was brought up. Yeah, and that, that, that's that, definitely how I was so brought up. So that could account for what I'm describing as a huge amount of formality I see in so many relationships. It's like, you know, I mean... But that's why I retreat and just look after myself. Yeah, if yeah. I'm upset, yeah. I would, rather than cry in front of anybody, I would go away and cry to anybody. Mm. If I'm, um, you know, I love to, I love to be supportive to people when they're going through shit. But I don't really want support when no, I'm it's going through shit. Annoying. It's really hard. When but you that, want... but that, the adaptive child. Yeah. That's what it was like. Yeah. That was what it was like. You, you know, my it. parents were just seventies parents. Mm. You know, so it was like, oh, come on, get on with it. Mm. And my dad would be like, come on, put a smile on. People are coming around. So I was just that's that's me. That's what I was taught. Which is interesting because what I taught myself to deal with as an adaptive child is to go to go to be on my own, to go silent, to go creative, and to go inward. Which is very hard when you're in a social context of a family because, of course, that's going to be rare. And yet, you reject being on your own. It's yeah, really, it's really odd. the it's worst thing a, in the world is when you're on yeah, your own. It's a push me pull you. Yeah. Um, he, he says about having these intense sort of marital hatred rows, which really are a manifestation really of parent. Sorry, I really hated you the other day. Oh. Whenever we have a row, I completely and utterly hate you. Yeah, no, I could tell. I mean, I do. I yeah. just hate you. And then the worst thing that you do is you want to, me within those moments when I'm feeling that hatred, you won't let me feel it. 
you want me because you get anxious about it you want me to say but I'm you're not always like this or but I do love you or but this and it's like the worst thing because it actually prolongs the hatred I need to have my time of hate which is why I've started doing <laughs> this a lot more in my life take a breath or 10 oh, take what? a break I'm no I take myself if you compare us to as 15 years ago oh god don't do that I get in the car and I take myself he says here's, here's his top tips I take a breath take a break I'm a big fan of a break take a walk around the block splash some water on your face do some meditating do some breathing bring that triggered little boy or girl onto your lap and have a severe chat with them he says I have a saying and this is great this is a little bit like the other saying that we trot out you can be right or you can be married <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I more love important. That. and there's the other great one that we love better, better to, to be, be kind than, than be right. right and I think that's really important you can be right or you can be married so sometimes I think you just have to decide which of the battles you want to fight and win because nobody in any marriage thinks they're the one that is heard or they're the one that is they, I mean it's 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 just part of marriage obviously there are people that are heard a lot more than other people and I think we hear each other a lot of the time mm. but there's always room for improvement people always want more than they've got of feeling heard mm. yeah I mean maybe that's just the human condition just the human condition I think the human I think. condition is Absolutely. that whatever you have you feel that there's something and I think there's something more that could be listened to there's something more but that's that the part of being say. a human that really stresses me out is that and it goes back to almost something that I'm constantly trying to explore around mental health is what is that place that we're aiming for where is that Shangri-La why you know why are we all in this that. on this sort of sorry I don't think like that I just well, I, do. I feel like I'm on a hamster mm, wheel because I just think if I think ahead of it yeah it, it screws my head up so badly right. that I can't do it. Mm. I think I think the same as you, but I think I've just controlled it right. to stay in today. Because I remember when I was a kid, I used to ask a lot of the questions that you still are asking, mm. you know, existential questions. And, and I was very, very dissatisfied with how I was left feeling <laughs> when I tried so to find I. an answer so or I. somebody else gave me the answer. So I stopped asking those questions. So if right here, right now, today, I am communicating well with you and I'm having a good day, I don't think about what I'm going to be like in a year or what is the purpose of this? What is the purpose no, I'm, I'm of this? Thinking. No, no, but what is the purpose of this journey with another human being? Is not a good question. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> because you'll get your knickers in a twist. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to lead you anywhere. That's why I walk with a slight limp comfort. all the time because I'm a wearing knickers, which is very odd, and b they're always in a, a fucking twist. twist. I love that. He saying. he goes on to talk about this this chap that um you know, the interviewer asks him you know but what about if you just don't fancy each other anymore if you just don't like each other? Oh, I liked this stuff. Yeah, that he said about yeah, this. and he talks interesting. He says I don't, don't like. It. He says I don't like people taking passive victim positions. This just happened to me. I just stop fancying someone. I fell in love. Well, I where, was love. Yeah. where was the hole? Where was the hole? He says this is non into. nonsense. Quite... Nothing just happens to you. It's a process. So there's no such thing as we just don't fancy each other anymore. You did once. What the hell happened to you? Yeah. You know, I like that. It's, you know, and this idea it happened, it just happened. No, it doesn't work like that. When it comes to infidelity, for example, I think you don't ask somebody why they cheat. It's obvious why you would cheat. It's fun, it's sexy, it's gratifying. You ask somebody why they don't cheat. I'm a monogamist. I don't cheat. I say no because it's not worth it. Now, wow, those statements are so powerful. Because you do hear people, oh, I don't know why I did it. And you said, just be honest, you did it because it was fun, it was exciting, yeah. and it was sexy. Yeah. So it was fully indulgent in those desires, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, and you can just make the decision that you're not going to do that. Yes, exactly. And it is as simple as that. Yeah. You don't even, 
you don't even allow yourself to consider it yeah. because you are a monogamous. Like saying, I am a vegan. I am a vegetarian. But it doesn't stop the fact that people... So does, is that not... It's quite confusing, isn't it? Is that not like a green light if you feel the inclination? It's like, oh, I can just justify it. It's kind of it's exciting. It's this, it's that. And it leaves some... No. How the hell, out of what I just said, did you hear no, that? No, no, not you. Him. I mean, in no, a way, no, you could read no, that I, in quite a confusing said, fashion. No, I'm saying what he's saying is there isn't an excuse. No. Because the reason you did it is for nothing more complicated right. than it's fun. Right, so it's not and necessarily a problem in your relationship. And you've made the decision somewhere to not be a monogamous person. Right. Because if you've made the decision to be a monogamous person, you're not going to have sex with other people. That's very interesting. And almost what we're seeing in Love Island today is the way in which, is it Jack? The, the, the I can't we keep bringing Love Island. No, 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 so no, sorry no, for those of no, you that don't watch it. Well, I like to think <laughs> we cradle the towers of we pop do. culture and, and <laughs> esoteric thought. Um, but... Is it Jack? I think, you know, this idea that actually... He's got like, to try out how he feels by having sex with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's this thing that I think a lot of people, men and women, indulge in, which is um, applying the uh, sort of... the misbehaviour or the kind of... the, the defects in their own behaviour, applying it to someone outside of themselves rather than choices they're simply making for themselves that's not based at all, actually, on any quality in the person that they're in a relationship with. So what I mean by that is that, you know, oh, I'm going to have a fling. Oh, God, I can't, it can't be because I've just, just listened to my carnal fucking desires and just done something selfishly off my own back because it's there. Oh, no, it's because you're really controlling. You really don't let me do this. I can never get a word in edgeways. Because all of that stuff might be a bit true, but That'd it's dealable with. But why you went and slept yeah. with somebody else because it's fun, exciting and sexy. Exactly. That's what he's saying. Yes. Yeah. It's why he's quite a kind of odd-looking, kind of cool-looking sort of... You can see his ring. He's kind of like, he frightened me. Yeah, check him out. Yeah, check him out. Um, he then goes on to talk about um, the ideas of fe the feminine role in a relationship and the masculine role in a relationship. And there was just one quote that screamed out at me as something that... I Sorry, I know we have a huge female following. Um... But this really spoke to me. He says, generally speaking, grandiose women are more difficult to treat than grandiose men. Not always, but quite often. Grandiose women have advanced degrees in offending from the victim position. And such women, he goes on to say, are, can be righteously indignant, avenging angels. What does he mean by that? Righteously vindictive. Indi ind no, indignant, avenging angels. Well, it's the angels bit. Where does that bit come in? Well, because they feel that they're holier than thou. Is that holier than thou? A grandiose I wouldn't have woman, him as my therapist. Grandiose women. I wouldn't have him as my therapist if well, that's his decision. Because I tell you what, he's bringing in there. He's bringing up. He's bringing in his bloody adaptive child. That's his opinion on his bloody <laughs> well, he mother. Then, thank no, you very he goes much. on to say that he thinks that when women move out, so he talks about this idea of women being, being more masculine. The idea that you know we're in this society where you know women, you know, femin is feminism about women being more masculine in a masculine world, or is feminism about something completely different? And, and is everything about masculinism terrible? I mean, I think if you try and deny masculinity in all of its kind of aspects. Recipe for fucking disaster, for sure. We all have a strong feminine yeah. and masculine side to us. And I think, you know, it's the process. Like, sometimes I can feel very in my masculine side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt very weird. in my feminine side when we were at the yoga retreat because I yeah. allowed myself... I, I, I don't know what it was. I just, I just took... I took this masculine 
success and fame. He was thing the happiest life. I've seen you in a really long time. Yeah. Be yeah. more feminine. Be more feminine. But he says when women move out of the traditional feminine role and move into the traditional masculine role, and again, I suppose what he's talking about here is the idea that, you know, that sort of marital hatred thing maybe comes from us kind of insincerely or inauthentically occupying parts of the opposite genders kind of you know roles if you like he says when women move out of the traditional feminine role and move into the traditional masculine role they don't do a better job with it than men have he says one of the things i think after 50 years of feminism is that women have finally earned the right to be as obnoxious as men have always been well i think that's part, kind of a... i think i think being obnoxious is part of being a human um... and if it means that women are more vocal. It's like I always say, when people say to me, oh God, you were a bit nasty there. I thought you were nice. Well, I am nice and I can also be a bit nasty. Yes, it's true. People you know, struggle it's with the idea like, of, yeah. it's, it's, I, I talk about this 360 degree woman because we are so often put into a box that we have to be nice, we have to be sweet, we have to be kind, we have to be nurturing, we have to be, yeah, which yeah, I love yeah. all of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also like to be arrogant, obnoxious, and I think it's not fair on men to say that that's just the masculine side. Yeah, yeah, I it's agree. It's the human side. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, um, and his final line, and, uh, which I really like, was he what, he what his sort of ethos and philosophy is, and this is something that, again, that's why I, I think I want to read the book, and there might be things in it that are great to talk about. He says, really, what I want to teach practically is how to stand up to your partner and cherish your partner and love them all in the same breath. To Cherish, very important. Yeah, cherish is important, but also standing up is important too. You know, you, to, to be in opposition to your loved one or your partner or your wife or whoever. And I've really struggled with this over the years. And you've been a great proponent of this. Isn't to mean that the entire fucking structure of marriage is about to crumble exactly. and fall away. And that is, exactly. and, and I think that is the adaptive child and yeah. the maladaptive child. Of course child it is, because going, your mum would storm off and you God. think this was it. Yeah. And I understand that. Yeah. But I think a good relationship is about saying, God, we're going to go through tough times. It never means we're going to split up. Yeah, and it's important to know that. And I think going back to what I was saying earlier, I think so many relationships with this formality are almost, as I say, straight-jacketed, so, so scared that if they tip into that dark area, it's the first conventional sign that things are wrong. Up. But I actually think it's intimacy. People tend to think of intimacy as just a sexual thing too often, and actually intimacy is getting into the dirt, damn dirty stuff mm. of your characters. In a way, it's getting... And yeah. it's the unconditionality of your love, which mm. is, yeah, I'm seeing this of you, I'm seeing that I'm still here, and I'm still going to be here. Mm. And that's that's marriage. There you go, guys. Yeah. Su subscribe if you haven't. Like it if you do. <laughs> don't like it if you don't. <laughs>